DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Let's just pull the curtain back now for a minute, shall we, PK? Okay. How cool was it to know all day long, I'm going to turn on the TV and watch the NFL draft. There's going to be a couple local stories. Even though Jalen Johnson didn't go, that's still a local story. There's going to be a couple local stories. It's going to take three or four hours here. The draft's going to go on forever. This was like a real night of sports. After six weeks, it was like a flashback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the second greatest night I've had since everything closed. Now, obviously, Connolly winning the horse competition was number one, but this is definitely number two. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Jordan show, just <laughs> the last dance, just out of sarcasm, because there's no way I thought you would think that's number one. <laughs> I thought you were going to go there. <laughs> oh, the Jordan thing was the best. <laughs> This whole whole Jordan thing is just uh, an interesting phenomenon. And now we're discussing whether Pippen should have had the surgery. I know, right? We We just need something. They're 20 years old. Who gives a a crap? Throw me a bone, sports world. I'll take anything. I am not picky. (laughs) This is is just incredible. I can't get into any of it in terms of debate. Okay. But, so Sunday night, we're going to do this. We know we're going to be on Talking Sports Sunday night. We know we're going to discuss hours three and four. And we know from the teases, it's already about the Pistons and the Bad boy and the bad Boys. So we're going to get into Isaiah should he have been in the Olympics. Did Jordan keep him out? They have to delve into that because otherwise it's a ginormous waste of time. Right, and they gave him the traveling yeah, yeah, cir- yeah. the traveling cocaine circus clip, so they'll clearly do stuff that you know might irritate him, and he clearly just rolled with that. He told a story I didn't expect him to tell, uh, so they're going to get into this. I'm I'm 100 confident, and then you and I are going to get into Isaiah and Stockton. So if you think 20 year old stuff sucks, well, hello, here comes the 25 and 30 year old stuff. Ready, break. I don't care what you say, but I think Field of Dreams is the best sports movie ever. <laughs> I don't know. The Longest Yard was pretty good. Paul Crew. Now, that's first-round talent right there. When he was recruited. All right. Uh, DJ and PK, it's time now to talk to David Locke. He is on the Sprint Special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. You can visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. David, good morning. I agree with PK. About what? Field of Dreams. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, man. All right, so as long as we're pulling the curtain back here, I don't think I'm going to do it, but I have to admit, in the last 24 hours, I thought about going to Field of Dreams. And I'm seriously picking the worst time ever to do anything that involves travel, right? But... uh my son has been going to school on the East Coast, and it's a long story, but he was planning on spring break on going to northern Italy. <laughs> uh, it, didn't, it didn't work out, thank goodness, and he didn't go. He almost did, but thank goodness he didn't go. And he ended up, um, his girlfriend is in Connecticut, and he went up to visit her and her family at their house there, and the dad drove the girlfriend down. She had been studying abroad and flew back home. Drove the girlfriend down to pick him up. And the three of them drive back up to Connecticut. And they are not at the house more than a week or two. 
uh, excuse me, more than an hour or two a week. That ruins the story. They've been to the house an hour or two, and they got word that my son had been exposed to someone who tested positive, and he had to go into quarantine at their house for two weeks. How awkward is that? So he's out of quarantine. He never got it. He's fine. They're selling a house and moving. He has to go close up his apartment in Washington, D.C., and he's got a roommate who is driving to Chicago. We don't want him to train or plane across the country. How are we going to get him home from Chicago? He may rent a car and drive it by himself, but there was a chance I was going to go pick him up. And if I drive from here to Chicago, I'm within like an, I'm, I'm like an hour and a half out of the way to go to Field of Dreams. But I really shouldn't be sightseeing at a time like this, should I? Would that be irresponsible? Now, it turns out I don't think I'm going to Chicago at all, so it doesn't even matter. How weird is that? So if you're going on that drive and it's only an hour out of the way, you're not sightseeing. You're not like, that. you should go. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think I'm going. I think he's going to... He's not 25, so renting a car, is I thought, was impossible. But it turns out it's not difficult. Right there are places where you can rent a car when you're 21. And he's 22, so he'd be able to rent a car. The other trick I've heard, by the way, is um, U-Haul. What about it? Oh, oh, I get it. (laughs) Okay. So, like, we were in—we actually were in Hawaii and had some friends that were there, and she rented a U-Haul truck for her week in Hawaii because she could rent that at under twenty-five. Oh wow! Okay, there's a workaround for you. All right, David, so uh, Joe Ingalls had a little media availability. Did you eavesdrop on any of that? I did. Um, He talked about how much he likes doing the radio show with you guys, how wonderful you are, and how much he enjoys it. And so you should clip that and take it every time he, like, mumbles and grumbles and does his Joe Ingalls thing about what a pain in the ass you guys are. And you should replay that to him because he talked about how much he likes it. I like the way you think, David. That is excellent. Yuck, make a note of that. Seriously, that was my number one takeaway. (laughs) Right there. That was it. I was like, oh, DJ and PK should totally clip that. I'm on. I'm going to find it right now. Happens at about the tw- near the end. Uh, it's the maybe the last question. So uh, about the twenty-one minute mark on my log. <laughs> That's interesting. You say that as far as that goes, because but how you know, great you, you are! Try to make That's this, not that surprising. No, 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 no. As far as what the Jazz can use going forward to attract players, whether it be through free agency or maybe they get somebody, uh, you know, obviously he's up for contract renewal and he can be a free agent, so retaining your free agents or getting somebody in the last year of their contract, because I always thought they should try that because I always felt like if you can get a player here and he can see it, that he'll th- say, hey, this is a pretty good spot. I was able to witness it for myself. And so maybe you can get that player to want to resign here if you if you acquire him in the last year of his contract. Because you look at the Joe Ingles case, and you've been around this league for a long time. Have you ever seen a player like him make a connection to a community in the way he has made it, in the way the community has responded to him? Now, I'm not talking about the statues type of player, Hall of Fame players. I'm talking about a a very nice role player who can help your team because I think that can be to the Jazz's advantage. So, I mean, really it comes down to the fact that DJ and PK are available to help the franchise with recruitment by giving them shows the spots in the morning show, really. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? The greatness of DJ and PK. That wasn't what I was getting at, but if you want to go with that. 
Okay. Um, you know, I'm a little reluctant to, on the whole concept that our bubble is different than everybody else's bubble in the NBA. Um, you know, there's a uniqueness to being a single market or single t- uh, sport town. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, Mike Conley and Tony Allen and Zach Randolph's react connection in Memphis was every bit as intense. I think Marco Bellinelli and Patty Mills and all of those guys in San Antonio is every bit as special as what Joe has in Utah. I think, you know, the Portland crew probably has that too. So, I mean, sure, if you're in L.A. and there's, you know, a million other things going on, then there's in your, your, the percentage of people that live in that community that care about you is much smaller than the percentage of people that care about you in this community. Um, and so it's a different, it's a different aspect of things, but I'm a little reluctant when, when we play the, our guys are, you know, our relationship is better. Our guys are better. I mean, I think ours is really special and I think it's really, um, I think it's got value, but I, I, I get reluctant when we, compare it to others because yeah, we see, haven't lived in the other places so we don't know oh, but i'm not just talking about that because you have to have a franchise run the way it's supposed to be run and to have the stability and the structure and all those things and you don't have to have the nonsense so it's not just that the community will love you it's the way the franchise is run which is probably more important yeah i mean i think there's no question that you know this year in cleveland when there was just disarray the whole time those players certainly you know, we're cashing checks, right? Like that, but that's probably no differently than any person in any business anywhere where if their company's not being well run and it's, you know, then you're just going because it's a job. Hopefully we have, you know, have built correctly as an organization, an environment the players like to be in, you know, the practice facility has been a huge focus in the basketball campus and an environment where the players all want to be and spend time together and, and create bonds and you build that chemistry that you have seen out on the floor over the last few years through all those little things, you know, whether it's Anthony the chef or the golf simulator or the, you know, the the, the workout area or the dining area that you spend the extra 30 minutes because it's nice there and comfortable and you feel at home, whether it's Bernie, you know, making you your shake or whatever the little thing along the way that's going to be done that makes it better. Certainly, if you can do that, then you create an environment in which, you know, the players want to be together. I think you could hear, you know, Joe today yearning a little bit for that pattern and that of behavior again that he doesn't have right now. So really it comes down to uh, – Players are going to chase money. Obviously, it's a job. It's work. So money's a huge factor. And then playing time and shots are going to lead to money. So they are a huge factor. But when things start evening out, there is an element to the NBA that is like college recruiting. What is going to make guys comfortable? What is going to make them happy? And I think you're right, David, that you can go other, other places and have a great experience. And you can go other places and have a bad experience. I mean, Durant's a better player than Hayward, but Oklahoma City and Salt Lake City were both really bitter when their free agents left. They were both really bitter. And I get that, you know, Durant's more accomplished, but nonetheless, there's this level of bitterness. But everybody's got to recruit. Everybody's got to play whatever card they have because there are going to be situations where players are going to have choices that are pretty similar, and you got to shoot down whatever negatives might be thrown your way by the competition. Yeah, I think... Um, you know, the primary factor is money, right? And, and um, 
And it actually is interesting how rarely DJ at all gets even. Really? Right. Um, Bogey you know, didn't have anyone. Time. Bogey didn't have anyone who offered anything close. It was a straight money deal. No, that's yeah. I mean, there was nobody else on the market that was giving dollars that money that I'm aware of. Um, there was nobody on the market that gave Boozer and Memo the money that we gave them many years back. You know, where the money was the same was was probably Jeff Green, um, if he had another offer, which I don't know that he did. Um, you know, but he was minimum, so then the money would have been the same. I just don't. I'm not saying he didn't. I just don't know if he had other teams. And then Emmanuel Moutier was minimum, and so. Um, you know, in theory, he would have had the same money from somebody else um, if somebody else was offering. I'd, I'd be surprised if he was going to be out of the league. So I don't. I I would assume he had another offer, and that story is supposedly that B.J. Armstrong, his agent, you know, called and asked um, if they could put Emmanuel into the system because that's where you're now delving. That's my point: is that this is where you're delving into dividing issues, and so the Jazz player development in that case is the one that that really made a difference that they believed that they could turn Emmanuel Moody into a better, more solid player and have him learn the game better by being with the jazz. Um, and so the jazz signed him to one year deal and he'll go out on the market, whatever that market's going to be and probably be respected more after the performance he put on this year than he, than he was prior um, and get probably something more than the minimum though. I, you know, this market could be really funky. So I, I, I probably should be reluctant in guessing what anyone's getting paid this next year. So when it comes down to it, money's the number one, and it's the overwhelming number one. And if you want to get players, you just got to offer them more money. Right. I mean, I'd say money's 85% of it. I think it's really hard. Because we're talking about such yeah. enormous sums. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. when you know, when someone's suddenly getting offered 65 instead of 60, it sounds like it's five, but it's five million. <laughs> right? So it's not like... Those are just, it's just a mammoth, it's just such a mammoth amount of money that, you know, if it was 65 chocolate chip cookies or 60 chocolate chip cookies, well, you might take the 60 and call it good. But not when it's 5 million. Like, that's just, you know, that's just a big number. So you go take the extra five. Um, so, yeah, I think in truthfulness, that's why people hoard cap space and they do things. And the Jazz did a, you know, the Jazz did a nice job last year with the way that they managed that situation. You know, they... From all the reports, they gave Bogdanovich an extra year and a little more money. Well, that that moves the meter, and he he was he's been terrific. And it's, you know, it, and the Jazz did this incredible thing in the offseason where they really transformed their team from a defensive team to an offensive team, and in a few moves, which is hard to do. Like, and and I'm crazy impressed on how they did it without getting caught in the middle. I mean, I think the fear was when you were making that transition that you'd end up in the middle somewhere where you just suddenly be mediocre at both, and they didn't. They became elite offensively, and you know, they're above average off defensively, and, and what we were going to find out in the final 18 games is whether they could get to be you know, better than above average defensively, and that was going to dictate what they were able to do in the playoffs. So give us uh, kind of the ballpark math on how much less money teams are going to have in terms of how much you know, the cap's going to come down, how much the luxury tax is going to come down, based on whether the, you know, they have no crowds the rest of the year or if we don't play this last little less than a quarter of the season. What if there's no playoffs and no, no TV money because there's no playoffs? How big a hit could the cap be taken? So I don't, 
I'm going to have to just give you the parameters. They're going to move the levers, and I'm mm-hmm. not probably able to tell you what the amounts are. Ballpark. So you just touched on a bunch of them. So the, the reports I've read, um, if we don't play, it's like 25. It, the cap could take like a 25 to 30% hit from there's a guy out of Miami who covers the heat named Albert who does like incredible work on this. Uh, I can't think of his last name right now. Um, so if we don't play, it's billion dollars and it's like 25 to 30%. However, the little mechanism that the, the union and players agreed to the other day where they, they instituted the whatever Italian or uh, Latin term that means that they're taking 25% less money also triggers a few other things so that it actually opens up a little bit of a renegotiation of how you deal with the cap. Um, we're actually at the opposite side of what we were on the Durant year with Durant signed with the Warriors where the union wouldn't accept the um, smoothing. Um, and so therefore there was all this extra money and this once in a lifetime thing happened where Durant signed with the Warriors. I, I, I suspect that if, even if, so either if we don't play or if we play and the revenue is limited significantly, I'm suspecting from everything I've read that there'll be a smoothing. The last thing the league wants is having a 25% drop or 30% drop in the cap in one year and then having it come back up the next year or come close to coming back up and then going again after that. So you'll see, uh, from everything I understand, you'll see some sort of smoothing across the board to try to have less variance from cap year to cap year. So I can't answer your question of how much because I think it'll fall under that negotiation of, what was it, the focus, the focus, well, I don't know what it was, whatever that term was. <laughs> can't do that stuff. Wow. <laughs> what does all that mean? What, what does that mean for the Jazz? What big decisions do they have coming think, up that you think are I going to be impacted by this? I think it means that Jordan Clarkson's market will be limited. How's that? That's the kind of info we wanted right there. Yeah, That's so there's not very the many teams with cap space that are good. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Clarkson played on a bad team and has experienced that, and I don't think from my understanding he has an interest in doing that again. Um, and so it would seem as though re-signing Jordan Clarkson would be an easier concept than it would be otherwise. Now, here's the one caveat to that. Okay. If everything drops so significantly that the luxury tax number drops down, and all of a sudden, because Joe signed and Boyan signed and Rudy signed and Donovan's can get his money and everyone's getting their money, because the luxury tax comes down, even though the Jazz have his Clarkson's bird rights, if suddenly the tax is so low that all the Jazz can really do is give Clarkson what's the equivalent of the mid-level exception because of the fact that the luxury tax dropped so far. Then all of a sudden, the Lakers or you know a good team can give Clarkson the mid-level exception also, and then we lose that advantage. So it, there's some moving pieces on that that I'm not sure, but my initial take, if it's smoothed and if... You know, again, we just don't know, right? Like, right. we don't play. It's a different number than if we play playoff game. Um, my initial take is that re-signing Jordan Clarkson um, will will get int- will be easier. The one that gets incredibly fascinating, and I've got to talk to some people who understand this better than I do, is what happens on guys like Giannis. 
So Giannis is up for a Supermax extension. Now that Supermax might be easy because Supermax, I think, is just a percentage of the cap, and so it just would fluctuate. But I'm not sure that it's not first year of the contract is percentage of the cap, and then it's a percentage increase every year after that. Like, i got to check that. Because if you're doing something percentage of the cap in the first year, you're just not going to do it until the cap goes back up to where it's supposed to be. And so you could have a bunch of players who are only willing to sign one-year deals or who are not willing to sign extensions, depending on how the rule, how we word um, percentage of salary cap in, as the initial starting year or whether it just kind of moves based on percentage of cap. He's David Locke. He joins us. Think that, oh, go ahead. Do you think that the league would create – some maybe temporary new sets of rules, or are we just going to go with this no matter what? Um, first of all, PK, I appreciate you still wanting to talk to me while he's trying to get rid of me, so thank you very much. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, the, um, go to Field of Dreams. Um, the, uh, I think, in a sense, what you're asking there will not be a whole collection of new rules, but my reading about this, and again, I'm not an expert on this, um, is that the 25% story you just read the other day about the league and the players union agreeing to this 25%, you know, paying less of their, has, it, it basically has activated something that does allow them to change kind of all sorts of rules if they need to. When you were program director an eon ago and you hired me, David, you used to just, you would know, and this is what I was getting at with that tweet the other day, you would know if I was two minutes late to break or four minutes late to break or five and a half minutes late to break. Now you're kind of on the other side of the fence there. You don't really care anymore. Yeah, it's true. But it, when I was a program director, the system was all by writing and now it's yeah. by meters. Uh-huh. And so there's an argument now that if you have really, really good content, you should be rolling through the five minute marks, regardless of what your clock says based on the quality of your content. Um, so I think there's an argument that the clocks are different now and that that detailed program director would say it's just fine if you believe <laughs> this content is worthwhile. <laughs> and of course, yours is. Am I right? Uh, only because PK's here. Okay. PK. <laughs> Thank you. PK. Soldier Hollow is open now. Oh, really? I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I saw you're up in your area starting to uh, loosen the restrictions. Yeah, none of our courses are open, though. I'm still, I I don't mind it at all. I think the people in Summit County are doing the right thing. We do not need every tourist coming back. We do not need a flood. Can I tell a quick golf story? Why not? Yeah. Can I? DJ, can I tell a quick golf story? Absolutely. So I was down. Talon's Cove is open, and it's a beautiful course, and I really enjoy playing it, and I have fun when I go down there. So I'm down there the other day, and I'm six over entering 18. You got that? So I'm six over entering 18, and I I finish 10 over. Ooh. That's that curling with the elevated green and the bunkers on each side, right? That's 18, right? Yes, and I took an eight on a par four. I was not happy. Uh, Was that uh, mostly issues on the green, or did you end up in trouble along the way to the green? I gagged right from the start. (laughs) I hooked it OB and and had had to hit another and then hit a double. 
double on the second ball combined with the first tee shot and penalty equals six plus two equals eight. So let's. There's two things. One is we'll be there Sunday, so I'll try not to emulate you. And two, what was the bet with Jackie? And did did you gag on 18 because there was something on the line? Uh, yeah, I totally gagged absolutely because if I finish, if I bogey it, then I'm in the 70s, and my goal oh, yeah. is to be in the 70s. So yeah. and so so I I set it up. I played the prior holes so I could shoot for a bogey so I could get a 70, I mean a 79, excuse me. And, yeah, I literally lost that chance on the very first shot on the 18th tee when I hooked it out of bounds. And there's a bunch yeah, of rough bad. over there, and we couldn't find it. Yeah, so I choked right from the start. I was furious at myself, and I still am furious at myself. If you had taken a 7-iron and hit three 7-irons and two-putted, you could have done it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, I know. Just a, you're right. Just a, just a. Yeah. The mind is yeah. a terrible thing to bring to the game. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> choke. Yes. David, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. All right, talk to you later, guys. See you.